Blog Talk Radio. Hey, good morning, folks. Hope your week is going phenomenally well. This is this is really an off week. Matter of fact, that every year, the last two weeks of the year, we really don't do much in the way of work. I put out a few blog posts. We we focus on the new year, and I don't even. I mean, Jim and I don't even do our Friday night show. We just flat take time off on it. But this year, I've just felt compelled. To, to really dig deep into where the year has gone, where we're moving forward, what it is each of us should be thankful for. I mean, forget about politics. Forget about the economy for a minute. It's time we look deep in ourselves. I, I chose Warren Woodward and Chris Brady's book, Life, Living Intentionally for Excellence, because it, it was a unique book. It wasn't It wasn't a traditional book that we usually do on this radio show. This is... It's full of, of beauty when you look at the pictures, great one-liners, and, and just little tidbits of wit and wisdom. And I thought, you know, it doesn't matter if we agree or disagree with everybody that walks across our path. What matters is, where are we going in life? Now, I haven't done a due diligence on, on Chris and Orange's new company, but when I got this book, and I'm, I'm so blessed to, to be in an, a community where I, I get stuff from people in the mail. Burke had just sent me his books. Richard uh, Brooks sent me his. I just got Richard Fenton and Andrea Waltz's new book. I love this because I love writing, and, and I love talking, and I love sharing about these books. matter of fact, I, I get a lot of books from some of the publishers outside of network marketing that I do reviews on because everyone knows I'm an avid reader. And as I picked up this book and started thumbing through it, just the little things in here that stood out to me that I think we can all use to a certain degree in our life is what has to be shared. Today when I was, I was flipping this open, it says, your past cannot stop you from a bright future, but an improper interpretation of your past can be fatal to your future. I got to thinking about that. How many of us somewhere in life have allowed others to dictate our future? In, in some cases, we've allowed them to dictate our present. We've hung out with the in crowd. We've, we've hung out wanting to, to be people pleasers. We've kind of cruised through life, and then all of a sudden, when when other people start to excel above us, when other people start to grow, when, when all of a sudden we feel like we've been left behind, we sometimes point finger at other people. We let other people control our future. I look at, I said let's forget about politics, but I look at politics and I see this a lot in the, in the political, you know, the campaigning stage. He said, she said, look at all what they're doing. Don't look at my background. Don't look at my past. Always pointing the finger elsewhere. I think in the next two weeks, we need to be pointing the finger at us. We need to be looking in the mirror and saying, what is it that I need to do? How do I need to interpret my past so that it is not fatal to my future? I thought this was another good one. People will follow you when you build the character to follow through. Whoa, that's kind of deep. People will follow you when you build the character to follow through. How 
many of us fall short and don't follow through? One of the one of the greats, at least in our times, we look back and we think he's great is Leonardo da Vinci. A great artist, sculptor, scientist, mathematician. But yet if you study his life, you realize that he was the opposite of Michelangelo. Matter of fact, if you dig deep enough, you'll see that he really followed in Michelangelo's footsteps quite a bit, trying to to fulfill. The difference is Michelangelo would fulfill and, and finish a project, and Leonardo da Vinci, for whatever reason, did not finish most of his projects. Follow-through is so important in our life. Another Another one-liner that was used in here that I thought was powerful, the trick to life is enduring its injustices without losing your cheerfulness. Whoa, now that, you know, think about that. The trick to life is enduring its injustices without losing your cheerfulness. How many of us have something ripping us apart? Our finances, our health, our parents' health, business, whatever the case is. I just, I love this. This is a book, I I don't know if it's available on Amazon. You can go to... uh, livingforexcellence.com is what's on the back of the book. It's business and leadership. It may be available on Amazon. Powerful insight. Just It's a nice read because you get these little things that just cause you to, to stop and think. Here's another one, and I'm going to get into something about the leader's biggest enemy, but here's one. Most people don't really know what they want until they see someone else with it. That's a dangerous thought, but yet it is so true. Most people don't know what they really want until they see someone else with it. I, I, I have something that I envy. Okay, is that is that? I know what my Christian friends are going to freak out because I'm I'm honestly telling people I in, I'm envious. And I'll tell you what I'm envious of. I'm envious of my mom and dad's marriage. It was 45 years they've been together. I've only been together with page 24. I'm envious of Michael Yank and and his wife's, actually his wife's mom and dad, 43 years together. Now, I I don't know. I'd have to do the word search in the Bible to see if the Lord ever uses the word or the Bible ever uses the word envy in a positive light. But to me, I look at them, and, I, and I'm envious of that. I want that. That's what I want in life. So that's a focal point. But what happens when we want something someone else has, and we look at it from the outside and think it's perfect, and inside it's ripping them up? I, I've, I've built some really great relationships with people, inside and outside of network marketing, business people. We get close enough sometimes that we start talking about our personal lives. And and I know that sometimes on the surface people see their leaders and they say, oh, man, they got it together. They are so rocking out. I want to be like them. And inside they don't realize that there are some things that aren't beautiful, that they're trying to work through, that they're trying to dig into relationships with their kids, their wife, their parents, even their friends sometimes. See, sometimes it's easy for us to look at the outside. But very seldom do we want to look on the inside. And boy, if we have a leader that we put on a pedestal and they fall at all, then 
forget it. I mean, we're we're like the worst people that you can ever think of sometimes. But the boys wrote something here that I thought was good. They say, we don't know what we don't know. A leader's biggest enemy. This could really go out beyond that. It could be everybody's enemy. See, I'm a personal believer that everybody's a leader until they prove to me that they're not a leader. And, and I'm one of those people that I don't have a problem telling you that most of the stuff that I base people's leadership on comes from the Bible. I look at stories in the Bible, and I bring them out into real-life experiences, and I say, okay, is this guy a leader? See, I want a leader who makes mistakes. I want a leader who has failed and learned from it. I don't want somebody that's Hollywood, looks like a leader on TV, never has any problem, you know, he's a superhero that never fails. I don't need that because that isn't the kind of person I am. And to my knowledge, the only one person in the world that actually came close to that was Jesus. And, you know, the funny thing is, from the world's perspective, he failed. They nailed him on a cross and killed him. His own people betrayed him. So enough of that. Let's get back to this. Listen, a leader's biggest enemy. Great leaders are the first to admit that they don't have all the answers. See, the world tells us that knowledge is power. And a lot of leaders go after the knowledge, and they want to know it all. Well, guess what? It's not, not Knowledge isn't power, period. That's a myth. The wisdom that comes from knowledge is where the power is at when you apply it correctly. So you may have heard it said that we don't know what we don't know. Also, we have forgotten a lot of what we used to know. Worst, however, is the fact that we know a lot that just isn't so. So many times we think we know it all. We're kind of like adolescents and teenagers. And then we grow into adults and parents and we realize we didn't know anything. The boys write, beware those who think they have a lock on truth who push their agendas on others with arrogant disdain and who are blind to their own failings. The greatest leaders don't make these mistakes. They know they don't know all the answers, and that is part of what gives them so much hunger to learn more. Where most give plateaus, plateaus, platitudes, excuse me, where most give platitudes, great leaders give their own examples. One of my friends, somebody who I've gotten to know his family, close family, John Maxwell. And when I get to know his friends and his family at an intimate level and we start talking about John, they smile and they laugh and they say, you know, he's really the same dude behind the scenes as he is up on stage. He makes as many mistakes, screws it up, and then talks about it. That was pretty wild. It made me feel good knowing that I still had a ways to go and that everything that I read of his is basically from his own life. I use a lot of examples in my life because I've just, I've, I've screwed it up more than once in a lot of ways. So I believe those are the best living examples for my kids too. I'm not one of these parents that went around and pretended that I was this perfect godly man of a father. My sons especially know just about everything there is to know about their dad. The only thing I've left out is intimate details between me and their mom in the bedroom. But they know my screw-ups and they know my strengths. 
And even though we've come to fisticuffs and we've had fights and we've had yelling matches, I could pick up the phone today. If I had any trouble whatsoever, and my three boys, no matter where they're at with their family, would come running. I'll tell you, uh, for you for you men, you want to see a, a, a movie about family. And it's a rough, raw movie. It's not one you're going to show on a Sunday morning at church. But it's called The Boondock Saints. And you can see two brothers and their father's love. In, in a pretty bizarre and outlandish way, I'll admit. But it really does prove a point about closeness, about being able to say, I'm, not, I'm a screw-up, but I love you. And, and and although it's a little bit off topic, I, I want you to understand something. If you can't love your own family, you're never going to love the people that you serve. You're never going to be able to, to, to love the people that follow you or that you're trying to build into other leaders. See, the guy's right. Seasoning and experience are key here. This is because youth tends to be wrapped in untested confidence. Age, however, can bring cynicism and surrender. Somehow, the best leaders navigate between the two and proceed confidently but humbly. And it is indeed a true sign. Many times I've heard people, I've heard people say this and I've seen them write it. And they've written it more about Orrin Woodward than, than Chris Brady. Chris is kind of the, the comic side of this, but they'll talk about how Orrin can be be very forceful, be very dominant, can be very intense in circumstances. And, and, and some people are fearful of that. I've heard the same thing said about Richard Brooke. Matter of fact, I had a guy write me the other day, and he said, man, Richard said this about me. I said, that's his wit. What do you mean? He, he, that's funny? I said, yep, knowing Richard, that is. He sometimes... Because of our own upbringing, we see things differently than, than they are meant to be. Somebody raises their voice, and we, we tend to shy away. I talked about this this last week in one of my trainings. Mark Dristel talks about this in one of his teachings. It's on fear. We've got to look at it as a leader. We've got to realize that as leaders, not, not, not looking at it as the big leaders that we are following, but the leaders that we want to become, we've got to navigate between the platitudes. We've got to look at it. Do we want to be confident or cynical? We've got to look at this and say, okay, I'm going to walk through this path. I'm going to navigate the line. I'm going to put this in layman's terms. I'm going to navigate between the lines of confidence and cockiness. See, to me, cockiness is unfounded confidence. January 13th, 1982, I was one cocky teenage boy, 17 years old, and I walked off that bus at the Marine Corps Depot in San Diego, and I became a maggot. Twelve weeks later, when I got into a taxi cab to put me on a plane to come home from boot camp before I went to school, I had navigated the course between cockiness and confidence. 
And I was one of the few and one of the proud Marines. That confidence, that leadership skills, that fulfilling of the mission, putting teamwork above personal agenda has allowed me to navigate through a lot of strange situations in my life from personal to business. The guys say, so lead bravely. Go boldly into a new territory. Just make sure you've got control over the most rebellious followers of all, yourself. We are our most rebellious follower. Now, I take it a step further. I'm going to tell you this. I hate followers. It frustrates me. Now, they're great people. Don't get me wrong here. It's kind of like Art Williams saying you need a bunch of duds to to make a business. Followers are the ones that are those, those angels that go out there and spread the word about the vision and the mission. But I haven't been called into this world to lead a bunch of followers. I've been called into this world to create leaders. Now, I, I, I'm not telling you that I'm the perfect leader out there, so don't get me wrong here. I'm no, I'm no, I'm no John Maxwell, Orrin Woodward. Man, I, I'm, no, I'm no Leonardo da Vinci. Okay? What I'm talking about is I know where God has called me. I know what my mission in life is, and it is to show other people they can be somebody. They can do something. They don't have to have this nasty, pissy attitude of poor me all the time. No matter how hard it may get, you can be somebody. I watch my oldest son. My oldest son was my most rebellious follower. He took right after his dad. That's why between the ages of 14 and 28, half of his adult life was spent on the run and in prison more than it was at a stable home. Just the way it was, his choice. But when this stuff started going deep into his brain and he started realizing, man, I can't do this anymore. I've got babies I've got, I've got, I've got to take care of. I've got a life I've got to live. I'm not a kid anymore. He got it all behind him, got out of prison, and came home. And I could say in this story, we lived happily ever after. It didn't work that way. Got home to Destin this last year. It went right out, got him a couple of jobs. The season was heavy. We had an awesome year. He's working two restaurant jobs, front of the house, back of the house. And then the season ended. And he'd never been here before. He didn't realize when the season ended, so did your job until next season. Now he's got a house and a car payment and no money, no job. In the old days, he would have picked up in his old routine, he'd have figured out a way to scam somebody out of a boatload of money Started started doing some crazy stuff, and the next thing you know, he'd been on the run again. But this time, he said, "You know what? I've grown. I can't do that. I got to bust my butt. I got to put that creativeness to work in a positive way." Within a couple of weeks, went out and became the assistant manager of a local restaurant. Then he started looking for a house because he knew he was going to have to have a different kind of home. So started looking around and found a guy that had had tenants move out. And they'd left the house kind of a wreck, and he said, look, instead of you painting it and fixing it and getting new utilities, how about if, if I just rent it from you, but, I, but here's what I'll do. I'll put sweat equity in it for six months. I'll get it up to, to nice. I'll fix the pool. I'll do all this. And then in six months, if you like what you see, 
I'll start paying you that $700 a month rent you want. The guy said yes. See, that's what leadership is to me, showing people, no matter how long it takes, that they can rise above the cockiness into confidence. Kind of segue right into this next little part right here where it says, everyone deals with problems in life, but remember, the goal is to solve them and get new ones. That's what Josh just did, and I'm proud of him for that. Lord knows he's still a boy. He's still my son. He still makes mistakes. And you know what? I'm the dad. I'm the husband. I still make mistakes. Guess what? Your leaders that you love, that you follow, matter of fact, the leaders that you love to hate, that you just hate them, you used to follow them, and now you don't like them. You're better than they are, or they, they fell short in your eyes because you had them as an idol, a god, instead of just a leader. Guess what? They still make mistakes, too. The funny thing is the guys aren't the only ones that, that write great one-liners. Matter of fact, Lori Horn's wife is known to say this, and, I, and I'm going to paraphrase this, the lessons in life continue until the lesson is learned. Using Josh as the example again, he didn't learn his lesson for almost 14 years. That's a long time. I'm 47. I'm going to be 48 next month, and you know there's still lessons I didn't learn. Matter of fact, I just told you I went bankrupt this year because of a business decisions that I made, bad decisions that I made. That wasn't my first bankruptcy. I had the same problem back in 1999. The lessons not learned are going to be repeated. This is, a, this is something that the guys wrote. Listen to this. Ask the right question, but be careful who you let provide the answers. See, asking the questions in order to become a better leader, a better parent, a better mom, a better dad, a better child is one thing. But who you let provide the answers is totally another. That's Man, that's some deep stuff right there. Who are you allowing to provide the answers in your life? Are they another dull, negative, disillusioned crybaby who all they're doing is feeding the fuel to the fire, but they're not really giving you an answer? They're not really giving you a way out? All they're doing is say, hang out with me because I've got the same attitude as you, and we can cry in each other's milk, and if we get enough of us together, we'll have this dull, negative, disillusioned orgy where we're all crying on each other's shoulders? Are you looking around for people to make a difference? I've got a friend of mine. We call him the godfather of MLM. Lives on Long Island. And about six years ago now, he was my first leader that I went to and said, look, I just took over this position in this company. It's a crazy company, but I think we can build something here, dude. I said, it's not product. It's service-driven, but... But the way the Internet's going, this thing is going to be rocking. And it, and it has. It did for a long time. He joins me. When other people said, man, why would you pick that dude with that, that New York accent? Sounds like he's a godfather. Well, that's why he's the godfather of MLM. He started with me, and it was more of a business-to-business -business type of transaction than it really was consumer. 
I mean, consumers needed our services and our product. It was part of an Internet security type deal we were doing. But I watched Mark Layton at that time join the Chamber of Commerce as just a, a member. And six short years later, because of his leadership ability, what he learned inside of the network marketing community, what he learned from leaders that we have surrounded ourselves with day in and day out, he is now the president of his Chamber of Commerce. And he proudly lets them know, yes, network marketing has allowed me to become the man that I am. See, he understands that you've got to be cautious on who you allow to provide the answers into your life. He also learned as a leader, and especially in a political position like he is in a small township on Long Island, that your words have the power of life and death, and you have to choose them wisely. I am very cautious of the words I use with my daughters because I know the travesty. I know the myth that we're taught as we're growing up. Sticks and stones may break my bones, but words will never hurt me. Whoever said that was freaking drunk because it's the biggest lie I've ever, I've ever heard people tell kids, and we have never told that in our family. We don't use the word bad. We don't use the word divorce. I mean, there's just certain words we don't use because we know they have the power of life and death. Mark Layton learned that. See, that's important. See, what people say about you, good or bad, is not nearly as important as what you are, but there's no way around what those words can do to you. See, you know deep inside who and what you are. Sometimes it's the people the outside look at. Matter of fact, I'll use an example here. King David in the Bible. If you know anything about the Bible, you know David and Goliath. Here's a here's a just a, a wannabe dude. He's just a teenage boy. He's no warrior. He's nothing. His mom and dad stick him out in the in the the, the what do you call them? The uh, pastures to take care of the sheep. If you're a cowboy like I am, then you know sheep herders stink because sheep stink. So nobody wanted to be around him because he's stunk. And God anoints him the king of Israel. He goes out and strategically looks at this gigantic giant about seven feet tall, picks up five stones. Only needed one. Sometimes I think he must have picked up five because he knew that Goliath had some brothers and he figured he could whoop them too if he had to. Not somebody that you would think would be leadership material. Goes on to to be just a normal, everyday dude like us, okay? The king of Israel didn't like the fact that this dude was supposed to be the king, so he wanted him dead, even though his son was his best friend. Long story short, he's anointed by God. He becomes the king of Israel. You think, oh, my gosh, Troy, he must be the most perfect king. I mean, God loves him. God calls him a man after my own heart. David's just like us. One day David gets up, he's out there, just gets out of bed. I assume that he probably slept commando. He got up, he walked out on his balcony. I mean, he's the king, he overlooks everything. He looks down and here's this hottie, sexy as all get-out gal. 
taking a bath in the bathtub. Now, a good king would have turned his back, gone back in, told his servants, man, go tell her to put some clothes on. But not David. Not David, the man after God's own heart. He just takes it easy right there on the balcony, checking this babe out. Besides, he wants her. He has her. She gets pregnant. Oh, my gosh. Baby out of wedlock. Send them straight to hell. Kick them out of the church. They're not good leaders. Then he goes one step further and has her husband murdered. Not not the most perfect leader, would you say? But yet, those that hated him used that against him the whole time. But those that knew his heart knew that God took his first son from him because of his sin, also knew that David didn't make excuses, that he said, I was the one. I did this. What people say about you, good or bad, is not nearly as important as what you are and who you are. This is what I love about this book. It goes into some great detail on things, guys. Have an awesome day. Think about what you have to be thankful for. What are the blessings in your life? And come hang out with me again tomorrow on Real Mentors Radio. Live life like it's an epic adventure. I'll see you at the top. Have a wonderful and blessed day. Bye now.